0: Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulting Commissions family, what's up, team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. So, we have Brought an amazing guest to the show today. And I'm going to tell you why it's an amazing guest once you hear the premise of, of the background of her story and her book. But let's talk about this, guys. It's 2023. We're making changes. Businesses are growing. People are thriving. And so I really want you to take some time today and understand who our guest is and really the messaging. Because I want to share with you, if what we're doing in 2023 is the same thing we were doing in 2003, right? I, I definitely think we can evolve and grow. And I'm super excited to hear the message from today's guest. So let me tell you a little bit about Jenny Blumenthal. She spent 20 years as an executive in corporate America, counseling Fortune 500 companies on growth strategy and digital transformation. She left during the pandemic pivot. Woohoo! She now coaches executive women to do the own, their own corporate rehab and grow in their existing careers and their opportunities. Not to only mention that, she is the author of the book, Corporate Rehab, which is to ditch the hustle culture and thrive again. Jenny, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks, Anthony. I'm so glad to be here.
0: I'm excited to have you here. So, Jenny, when I hear the phrase, ditch the corporate hustle and mm-hmm. thrive again, it's, it's, you know, if we go back a few years ago, you, you said you left during the pandemic pivot. And from my recollection that time, the pandemic pivot, right? And the great resignation kind of all aligned in like this one mass exodus. Right. Now we find ourselves in this position where, okay, what happens now? Right. And there's people. And I think both you and I would agree. We, we, I would even make the assumption live on air. You probably have colleagues who are still in that corporate hustle culture that are like, how or why, or what did you do? So let's talk a little bit about this. So you wrote this book, uh, ditch the hustle culture and thrive again. What's the premise for the book? And what was the the, the theory or the logic behind bringing that to market?
1: Yeah. So the, the whole premise of the book is that um, all of us, to some extent, can get trapped in what we call the hustle culture, which is a little different from hustle or ambition. Everyone needs a little bit of hustle, whether it's closing that next deal and getting that next commission or getting a kid out the door with shoes on their feet. Um, there's a time and a place for it. Um, the challenge is the hustle culture beckons us to leave parts of ourselves behind so that we can be operating at this high level 100% of the time. And that's where it really starts to impact our own leadership, not only of ourselves, but of our teams as well. And we actually wind up sub-optimizing what we could be bringing forward into the workplace. And so that's the premise of it. Um, it walks through uh, the process that I took to actually rehab from the hustle culture myself. Um, I was a, a partner in a large consulting firm. I was in corporate America for 20 years, climbing the ladder, killing it, um, doing really well on uh, on a lot of those measures. But there was a part of me that said, I don't know that that's really what I'm supposed to be doing with the rest of my life. And as I got further and further up that ladder, I became one of the few women on my business unit's leadership team and said, well, I can't quit now. There's so many people behind me. And I just kept put my head down and I hustled harder, thinking that control of my schedule was just around the corner if I just worked a little bit harder. And I wound up burning out in the process. And it took uh, the pandemic pivot and the world getting really quiet for me to actually ask myself some of these real hard truths that was I living the life that I really wanted to and imagined for myself and my husband and my two kids and unfortunately for me, the answer was no. Uh, but fortunately, that started me on this journey to kind of figure out what was on the other side of hustle culture and what else I could do. Um, and that's really what led me to towards uh, capturing all of these uh, uh, insights that I had read about and, and researched into a book so that other people can actually ditch the hustle culture and thrive again, um, whether that's right in the position that you're in um, or whether that's in a new venture for yourself.
0: Well... One, congratulations. I, I know firsthand that's not an easy decision, right? You and I were, were chatting a little bit before we recorded. I, I left corporate career, married three kids at home, and it, I don't know if this happened to you, but for me, there was all these little voices in my head like, you're doing what? Why are you doing this? And I don't, it didn't hit me until everything, you know, I had completely left, you know, all the, the monetary responsibilities, the stocks, everything was finally sent to me and it was like great this is awesome here's whatever x amount then i was like wait a minute i don't have nothing else after this <laughs> what comes next and there was a brief moment i i will never forget it was like the week after i left corporate america i was out golfing with some buddies and and we were buying around to the drink and i'm like oh man i got, I got all right let's i'm doing it cuz now there's, there's there there is there all of it sat in and here's the thing i remember feeling wanting to leave 3 or 4 years earlier it just same thing there was always these reasons to stay so there's someone listening right now that is in that same position Jenny where they're like I want to make that transition I want to make that exit but right we, you know we use the phrase sometimes the golden handcuffs the stock options the high heavy salaries all of that um, was there something in particular that was like the aha moment for you to say you know what I'm done like this is the day that I'm gonna make that change. And did something like that happen to you or what led up to that final uh, triggering point to say I'm done?
1: Yeah, there were probably a few things that led up to it. Um, One of them was just being able to have some space and time to actually think about whether this was the life that I wanted. Um, I was on planes three times a week leading up to COVID. I was leading a $300 million business unit. So I was super busy. Um, My kids were in elementary school. So in third and fifth grade, and there was no time to really debate um, whether this was really what you were supposed to be doing, because there was always somebody else that needed something, the next deal to close, some other partner that needed me to fly to Vegas to help close a deal there. And so um, it was very easy to stay distracted. And I think once um, the the pivot, the pandemic pivot happened or the pandemic happened and shut things down, it was a chance for me to start actually asking those questions. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that have great quotes about this, but basically, you know, the, the quiet sometimes is scary because it makes you um it tells the truth. And that's a that's a quote from Pink, whom I love. Um, but it's I think that's the part it can get scary to actually like stop and listen. But for me, what really did it was um in that time leading up to when I left, um, we started spending a lot more time as a family because I wasn't um, doing commuting and you know, we were starting to pick up tennis and a couple of other things we had never had time to do. And I think I smugly almost said to my son at the time you know, I think the, the pandemic has been horrible for so many people, but look, we're getting to build this great family time. And he cheerfully said, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, on the weekends, we get to see you all the time, but you know, during the week you're, you're on 12 hours of zoom calls and we're, you know, but it's fun to deliver you dinner upstairs while you're on the zooms. And I was like, Ugh, wait a minute! Like that's still not what I wanted. And at the time, you know, the firm was going through a lot of layoffs. I think a lot of people can relate to that because that's a that's a cycle that's been ongoing. Um, and I saw some people that were let go that were really, you know, senior folks that had given their whole lives to a company or an industry and were summarily dismissed with plenty of money. Don't get me wrong, but at that point, I was looking at my kids and my husband and looking at those decisions and thinking you know, where will I be in 10 years? And what will I come home to if I stay on this path of 60 and 80 hour work weeks with an amazing salary that I've earned and that I, you know, get in return, but the rest of my life, uh, the rest of the dimensions of my life are really underdeveloped if I was honest with myself. And so that's really that combination of things, both the truth telling from my, my children and my husband and, and some of the realities of the market um, really, you know, pushed me to a point where I realized I was burned out and I really wanted more from my life.
0: Uh, you know, I, I love that. I mean, I think at a certain point, I know as a young adult and in college and growing up in high school, I had this vision of the mm-hmm. amount of money I wanted to make. The corporate roles and responsibilities and and I got to be honest with you right you you mentioned playing three days a week I, the Marriott ambassador status it is not as cool as it means all that means is you spend tons of time in a hotel because I remember uh my wife sat me down uh, and was like hey you know I told her i, said, I got Marriott ambassador status she's like well, what does that mean so I, I think at the time it was twenty thousand dollars a year and 100 nights in a hotel and she's like well uh, what did you do I'm like oh, 169 nights like 38 thousand dollars and she looked at me and she's like how many of those was I with you on and it just like Dagger. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> okay. And it it's something about this vision that that I know for me personally I wanted. I wanted the income. I wanted the status. And, and the, the higher I got in corporate, I remember looking at colleagues were, you know, renting apartments in New York City to be near the corporate office, but flying home to yeah. wherever home was on Fridays to go spend the weekend with their family and go back. And when a good friend of mine took on that venture, I that's just, I'm I'm at my cap. So, yeah. you know, I, I share this with you, catapult the commissions family. If, if you're there, you're not alone. Like, it's okay to say, you know what, my family is a priority, my went to, my mental well being, my own my own thoughts. So, I I love your story on that. But let's 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 even peel a layer. Here. Let's get a little vulnerable here. That's not an easy decision, right? Did you have a? Did you have a plan, right? Let's just Mm -hmm. let's just start with a real simple thing. You're you're ditching this hustle culture. Did you have a plan? Because one of the things with the hustle culture, right, and and and, you know everyone loves a hustle culture, right? We talk about it. I don't think really people understand like the hustle the hustle culture. It's appropriate at times and inappropriate at times, in my personal opinion. But there's an amount of money that comes with that culture, like. What was your plan when you say, Hey, I'm leaving? Was it to start yeah. your own business? Was it to to write a book? Was it to, Hey, I'm just gonna spend time with my family and figure out what's next? What was that plan for? Or what was that plan after my apologies?
1: Yeah, so I, I did what I would probably I do advise colleagues or coaching clients now not to do I left without a plan. Um, but that's partly because I pushed myself or I got to the point where I was so burned out that I didn't I didn't have another way to heal in place. You know, I see a lot of people being able to make these recommendations for themselves, come to these realizations early enough and say something's not working. I have the bravery to raise my hand and ask the people around me, my family, my colleagues, my bosses for help in navigating this. And I would say number 1, that's the most important thing to do is to just bring others in to try to navigate this. Um, part of what I get into in the book is just recognizing your own story. And part of mine is we don't quit and we don't, you know, we we can ask for help, but it's, you know, we are strong and we're going to stay in there and we're going to hustle and get it done. And so for me, it was a lot of trying to admit to myself that it was okay to admit that this life I thought I had built for myself that I thought I should love actually wasn't making me happy. And that was the scariest part of all that I was supposed to be happy. I had done the American dream. Um, and so that piece, I think, was the first piece for me of just, you know, getting to that point pe- that point and realizing that I was so far beyond admitting it to myself and in such burnout that I wasn't in a position to even make rational decisions. And so um, the context of this is this was October 2020. So in the middle of the pandemic, I thought, I'll, I'll just peace out and I'll go find something else that's local or, you know. Um, but I got to get these kids back to school first. Well, in, in our part of the country, that didn't happen for another six months. And so it wound up being the best gift to me of time because I would have probably pivoted into the next thing and brought all of those same mindsets and behaviors from you know what made me successful for 20 years right into the next thing, never realizing how much of these subconscious patterns we repeat if we don't change them. Um, And what I found in my research when I did start researching the book is that the hustle culture is something we hold in place within our own behaviors and cultures around us hold us in place. And so that's part of the hard thing is understanding what part of this is, you know, a culture that you're working in that says you're only as good as your last deal. Um, you can rest once the quarter's closed, you better hit your numbers, even though family's important, but you can't miss your number. What part of that is built into, um, you know, the way that we goal people and we say we want team players, but then we only reward individual rainmakers, regardless of whether they're the biggest jerks in the company or not. And so it was that much of like pulling apart. How much of this is me? And how much of this is the environment around me? Um, But I left without a plan. I figured I would do something else, and then and then uh, figure out what the next career path looked like. And that for me, because I had the time and the space, it allowed me to go in a little bit more inward and say, "Wow, there's a lot here that I really want to fix and rewire within myself, and recognize in the workplaces that I go into next and that I operated in." You know, counseling Fortune 500 companies for years before I take the next thing. And so that's really what led me on this journey to, you know, what I jokingly said at that point when people would call and say, oh my gosh, you had this amazing career and we thought, you know, we were, we were following you. What happened? And I joked and said, I'm putting myself through corporate rehab because this wasn't good for me and I couldn't see it. And everybody around me was applauding, you know, my my use of this substance and saying, you know, your addiction to the hustle culture is really convenient for everyone else. And so as I went through that process, that's what really, you know, uh, made me, you know, start asking, am I the only one feeling this way? And that's when more and more women started reaching out and saying, oh, gosh, I feel this way, too. And I started capturing their stories. um, And that led me to put it together in a book because I felt there were more people out there that were hurting just like me that felt that they were alone or they were the only ones, um, that thought there might be more in their lives, whether they stay in corporate or whether they do something entrepreneurial. Um, and that's really what led me to write the book. And then I wound up interviewing 300 other women for it and included their stories, um, along with this, uh, rehab approach, which is really rehab stands for recognizing the context of your story, evaluating your choices, your relationships, your time, your patterns, Healing across mind, body, and spirit arising. And that's really where you get to tap back into your strengths and start to play and do some fun things that we get to do, like golf when you're not hustling so much. And then B is for build, where we build new dimensions of your life and career. And in my coaching clients, we put together a whole roadmap of the decisions that they want to make. Um, so in that case, I say, here is your plan for doing this, whether you're leaving tomorrow or you're gonna leave in a year, so that people feel confident and comfortable with the decisions and the trade-offs that they're making intentionally.
0: I love, literally love that. The the <laughs> the, the acronym associated with it, the, the work you put in to get other perspective from other women that were in this position, right? It's it's definitely, uh, you know, we always talk about like in business, I'm sure there's always this proof of concept, right? And, and I was with a client call just before this. I'm like, you know, they want to roll out a, a new program and we were talking proof of concept. This here, I don't even think we have to prove the concept. Like it, it, is, it is there. People are feeling that way. So if that's you, Catapulted commissions family, I highly recommend you go out and get the book. We have a link for that in the show notes. Uh, definitely get connected and continuously expand your growth on, on your own personal development. So, so Jeannie, you, you make this transition and you exit the corporate field. Mm-hmm. Now you pivot. You're coaching other women. You're, you're coaching uh, other leaders. And let's go to the second half of the book, right? So the second half of the book is to thrive again. Now,
1: yep.
0: hearing the first half, right? It, it, hearing the first half in the first fifteen minutes of this interview, it's like, okay, we talked about, hey, we're leaving this, we're walking away from this, all the bells, all the whistles, all the accolades, and I want to thrive again.
1: Yeah,
0: help me understand, right? If if I want to thrive again, like let's just def- let's just clear it out. When you wrote the book and you said to thrive again. What was your definition there?
1: Yeah. So I really wanted to tackle individual leaders because I think there's things that corporations can do. There's um, a lot of roles that, you know, C-suites and top-down can can provide. But there's also this real need from a bottom-up. And when we know, all of us have been in companies where the CEO says one thing. And it makes for a great Wall Street Journal headline, um, but that at that middle manager level or that line partner level is where people's you know mental health is is made or broken. And so I felt it was really important to attach it at, you know at, a, at an individual leader level. So I'll speak to both because I think there's different criteria involved. From the, the culture or from a workplace perspective, so what a company can do at that level, when we talk about thrive, there's actually five pieces that make up that acronym as well. Um, the first is building cultures where there's trust. Um, if you have trust and psychological safety to speak up, it's the foundation for all of this because you cannot make change in a culture where people are afraid to tell you the truth. Um, the second piece is H, which is help. That's back what I had said. I raise your hand or find somebody you can engage on your journey. Modeling that vulnerability, as you said, and saying, hey, this is where I need help. This is where we want to close this deal, but we can't do it alone. And I need three other people around me to actually make, you know, go after something even bigger or to make that that close even um, even more important. Um, Then we get into R, which is respect. Um, And I included this in the model for workplaces who want to thrive because there's some really interesting research about what really drove the great resignation in the first six months um, of COVID. And if you strap away all of the infrastructure changes, things like daycares not being open and people who had to leave because of those reasons – when they did exit intervals uh, interviews, they interviewed 30,000 people and found that the number one driver of the great resignation was actually disrespect. And so if you don't model respect in that culture that is the biggest thing that's, uh, you know, something that could make the, the top talent leave. Um, I is for impact. So thinking about not just outputs. Um, all of us in sales and commission base are very focused on our numbers and making sure that we know exactly where we are with quota as we get to the end of that quarter. And that's important. But even more so is thinking about how do we re- re- reward impact in those cultures so that it's not just how many deals you close, but what you're actually you know, tangibly moving forward in terms of bigger impact to the company, to yourself, to society and finding that meaning. Um, v is for values. We talked about that a little bit um, earlier of just what do you actually value and what holds meaning for you. And then E is actually empathy, um, which is so crucial for the future of work as we're seeing one of the biggest skills and one of the ones that really requires a lot of bravery sometimes to show. And so from a workplace perspective, that's what we really mean when we say build thriving cultures. Um, from an individual perspective, um, we've really seen a lot of uh, of, com- of uh, leaders go through really two major shifts when they're looking to thrive. The first one is actually the agency stage where you're finding your voice. The second is the impact stage when you're using your voice. And so when we think about what it takes to be a thriving leader, ask yourself and think about that a little bit. Have you found your voice? Do you know what you stand for? Do you know when to speak up and when to call things out? And then how are you using that, not only for yourself, but to help others?
0: If you did not go and pause and press rewind, I don't know what to tell you, but let's just break that down. Thrive. Trust, help, respect, impact, values, empathy. And we you referenced that in the culture of thriving, but you look at that in the leadership thriving. I hear that personally, Jenny, and I look at it like, hey this is and we talk you know I've, I've built my own company since i've left i'm like this is kind of what i want my company but more importantly what people who work with me I'm like yeah this is where things sit in alignment so i love that and i wasn't aware of the the disrespect was one of the key indicators of people leaving during the uh great resignation i'm not shocked though i mean i really am not shocked because i know um I've, I've chatted with leaders c-suite i've i've like I said, you know, which shows going on in four years. I've had the opportunity to speak to numerous people that have either been in corporate America or are still in corporate America. And, and you kind of hear this uh repeating theme. So my own version of proof of concept, 250 episodes later, I think we were onto something. So I love what you're sharing there. So let's let's talk about this thriving component personally. It's very easy for me to hear what you have just said and say, okay, that's cool, right? Thrive, you know, catapult the commissions, my, 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 my company. Hey guys, we're going to thrive, but got to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. There's some limiting beliefs that sit. I don't, I have said this and people have like, I I would argue every successful person. Matter of fact, every person has a limiting belief in some shape, form, or capacity. I think the Mm -hmm. levels of the limiting beliefs may be a little higher and smaller, but we all have these limiting beliefs. And, and I always you know, call like these little uh, little bad people on my shoulder. that are like, you can't do this. Right. So how do I overcome that as a leader? And let's just take that in my own company, in my life, in my marriage, in my home, like all yeah. the above. How do I get yeah. rid of those voices?
1: Oh, gosh. This is like one of my favorite things to train on and coach on because I think it just – to your point, it hits all aspects of our lives. Um, it's actually kind of funny now to think about the times when we used to think we could just badge into an office and be a whole different person. I think Zoom showed us that we're the same people, whether we're at home and at work, um, and those same beliefs you know, come through as well. Um, I think the best thing for this one and, and the, the, the key thing to think about is you really need to actually catch that belief and understand what it is um, 95% of the time we're actually running on subconscious beliefs and it's influencing your actions. And if you're not aware of that, you actually have no idea that there's a limiting belief running in the background. And so, so much of the work that we do when we train leaders is actually bringing that subconscious into the conscious um, if it helps to think you, if you're a visual person like me and you happen to be watching us, um, the, the amygdala, which is your oldest lizard brain in the back part of your brain, um, is the thing that is taking over when that limiting belief is happening. And what you're trying to do is actually bring things into the PFC, which is your forehead, the front part of the brain, so it has a chance to actually question is that belief really true or not. Um, and there's a great way to do this. that's a, it's a quick thing to remember. I love acronyms, especially on podcasts. And so if you're driving, you can you can tuck this one away. Um, but the best way to deal with it, I think, is the rain methodology that Tara Brock teaches. And that teaches us first the R stands for recognize, um just like my model. Um, but it really thinks about how do you actually recognize that this this thought is happening. And it sometimes is something you can do with mindfulness or meditation, some people do that. Often what I like to say is try to listen to that little voice on your shoulder or in your ear when you make a mistake. Because the minute you've made the mistake, what you say next is that limiting belief that, you know, oh gosh, I didn't kill the presentation. I should have prepared more. I always do this. I, I never get it right. I'm always catching up to, you know, John who's got the promotion instead of me. All of those limiting beliefs are built on things beneath that, things like I'm not enough. I need to know all the answers in order to be credible. I need to prove my worth, those types of things. So, if you catch that, what that voice is, um, the second part of the mat- model is probably the most important. That's A, and that's allow. Um, And we don't do this, right? We catch that voice. And then we just pile on and say, yeah, what he said, you know, I'm terrible at this and I'll never get that. And how am I going to be able to avoid those Christmas or afford those Christmas presents now? Or what about paying for college? And we just go into the shame cycle that just piles on that voice. And then we get to a point where we're taking the next action out of fear. So what do we do? We hit our Rolodex and say, I'm going to call and make 12 other sales out of desperation. And I'm going to call and make that guy close right now because I lost this last deal. And when we do that, you know, our, our, unfortunately our clients can smell fear too. And you're not going to get that commission because you're coming from this really desperate place versus if you just allow it and let it sit for a little bit and start to recognize it. Oh, that's that old friend fear coming back, you know? The next piece is investigate. So the I in rain is investigate, where you click beneath that and say, why do I feel like I have to prove myself? Why do I feel like I I always get it wrong? That's an interesting thought. Um, And then the N is nurture, where you actually give yourself the same self-compassion you give to others. You probably give to your three kids. Apply that to yourself and say, is that really true? I don't think that's true. And maybe replace it with another belief. I didn't get this deal this time. But I'll learn from it, or I'll get it the next time, so I think the rain methodology by Tara Brock is my best uh hack for trying to get those limiting beliefs to uh to stay put and reframe them into something that's truer
0: oh i I love it, I love it, I love it because you you hit something that I was thinking about. you talked about the kids right mm-hmm. um and so catapultic Commissions family you've heard me talk about my kids on the show i Literally had, uh, I had a meeting with, I have a, a personal trainer. and We're like a health um, dietitian mm-hmm. trainer. So make sure I'm mm-hmm. clean eating, all this fun stuff. And my January check-in wasn't on point. I wasn't <laughs> shocked. I mean, the holidays definitely got away from me. Um, but at the end, she made, she said a statement to me. and She was like, I, she's like how come you couldn't, you know, commit to to the goals you said I'm like, I don't know, the holidays, you know, all these excuses started coming out. Right. And she follows me. My daughter does competitive taekwondo. She's, we travel all over the world for her to compete. And she's always having limiting beliefs. This girl's bigger. This girl can beat me up. And I'm like, no, no, no. And she's like, I hear you talk to your kid all the time. You have to tell yourself you're better than this, that this is temporary, that you can overcome this. I'm like, yeah. So as as the limiting beliefs in business, it's just like, if my kid came to me and was like, I can't pass this test because it's hard. What would I tell them? Of course you can't. Right. What are you talking about? Don't, you're being silly. Or I failed this test today. Okay, well, there's 52 weeks in the year. You'll be fine tomorrow. Let's just move forward and get over it. So, in the simplest way, it makes sense. In the heat of the moment, though, it's just like ah, uh, there's some something that changes as we progress into uh, yeah. in, into maturity. We're like, oh, this isn't supposed to happen to me, but in reality, it does. It happens to all of us. Yeah. So I agree. I, I, I I have a hard time personally when. I pretend something isn't happening. So I'd rather just talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I appreciate where you're coming with, with with how we eliminate this, uh, this really the lack of better for imposter syndrome. So. Right.
1: Um, Actually, I'll pause right there though and jump in on that piece. Cause I, I love that you brought in parenting cause those of you who are a caregiver um, in any capacity, I think that's a great example or a great little hack of your, if you are beating yourself up and you're having a hard time getting out of it of, what would you tell your kid? And you wouldn't tell them like, yeah, you're pretty terrible. You always get this wrong. <laughs> so whatever you would tell them um, is something is is the end and nurture that you just need to apply to yourself. And I think that that is really um, the bravest thing we can do is to try to heal ourselves while actively parenting somebody else. Um, but there's so much hope to that because you're getting giving them a chance to rewire some of the stuff that you might've picked up over time in real time. And they're not developing those same Grooves. Um, one of the ways I heard this described is sometimes those limiting beliefs and um, and the way it actually gets into your brain is like a groove, almost like a ski track. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, your brain, if, if if that limiting belief is there, every time that same scenario happens, it's going to go right down that ski track that's well worn. It's not going to find a new path. And what you're doing when you tell yourself those things that you're nurturing, you're creating a new path. And so the next time. Maybe the next 20 times you might still fall in it, but you might, you know, the 21st time you might say, you know what, I am still growing and I'm going to figure that out. And when you think about it from your kids, you're giving them a chance to go down a really healthy ski track from the beginning. So gives me a lot of hope that it's it's hard, but it gives me a lot of hope that we're actually getting to heal ourselves and heal the people around us in real time.
0: Mm. It's it's almost like I, I love it. I I've never even thought about it in that capacity. Uh, A colleague of mine yesterday, uh, we were chatting about uh, goals and and business development. And and she asked me, she's like, what's your mantra for this year, Anthony? I'm like, mantra? She's like, yeah, what's your mantra for 2023? She's like, I really haven't put together a mantra. I mean, I have goals. I have a business Mm -hmm. plan. I have a lot of stuff laid out. I was like, I don't have a mantra. And she said, well, if you don't have a mantra to tell yourself, eventually the brain's going to tell you, you can't do it. I was like, ooh, you're right. That is true. I was like, oh, so there I go trying to create my mantra and so it was definitely uh like ooh that that hits so in that same capacity right it it's if we allow these things to sit in with this eventually in my opinion eventually they win and if we go really really for like i can't remember the chinese proverb It's like you know which devil wins the fight i don't remember the one you feed like it's just yeah. it's yeah. it's there's some truth there so awesome so jenny tell us a little bit about your business right now so you Corporate rehab, you're, you're looking at people, or, you, know, you share your story, how you left corporate. There's tons, I would say, hundreds of thousands of people who are feeling the corporate burnout right now. Uh, people are making transitions, they're pivoting, they're doing different things. And, and here's the kicker, right? Other countries are seeing this. I, I'm not going to name the country, but there's numerous countries that are offering Americans incentives to just move and live there, work from a yeah. laptop. And I'm like, yeah, I work from home in my office. And I'm like, man, i tell you what. The beach in Bora Bora or Belize looks amazing right now, right? So there's there's all this fun stuff, but what is it that you're doing now? Who are you serving now? It's been a couple of years. You've left. you built a successful company again. Uh, so talk us a little bit about what you're doing.
1: Yep. So corporate rehab really focuses on helping leaders thrive in the future of work. And half of my business is private coaching where I'm working with female executives in a rehab program where we go through the five steps of rehab together or in thrive as they look to get to the next level of their business without losing themselves in the first place. Um, I I don't coach men at this point, um, but I do refer them to the book and to other coaches that work with guys. Um, The process itself is gender neutral, but the limiting beliefs can sometimes really be impacted by how you show up in the world. And so I find that often I'm dealing with executives that are trying to balance motherhood or trying to balance caregiving or trying to balance getting ahead in a world where they don't have as many female executives around them, and they want to hear other stories. And so that's really what uh, half my business focuses on, and it's leadership coaching. And then the other half of my business focuses on companies that are actually trying to build more human-centered cultures. And we're doing all kinds of fun stuff this year, actually. I've been doing leadership retreats, keynote speeches. I'm um, doing corporate training where we're bringing corporate rehab to the thousands of women across a $5 billion firm. And they're learning across four countries, how to apply corporate rehab to their own approach so that they can actually hit incredible growth goals for themselves without losing themselves in the process. Um, So really excited about that and uh, happy to talk about that more with anybody who's interested.
0: Awesome. Well, catapulting commissions family, here's the deal. Uh, Jenny boom with all corporate rehab. Not only has she made some changes in her life, which is Awesome but she's really making a change out there. And I always endorse, I'm always a big fan of people who take businesses that make an impact in others. Because I believe all of us benefit when all of us develop and grow. So uh, Jenny, how does the Catapulting Commission's family learn about you, right? So we shared a little bit about the corporate rehab. We're going to put a link in the description about the uh, for the book, but where's the website, social media, all that fun stuff?
1: Yeah, so the best place to go is the website where everything's linked. That's dot corporate-rehab.com. I post pretty frequently on LinkedIn, just my leadership perspectives, especially about the future of work. So that's a good place to follow me. I'm also on Instagram and unfortunately for my teenagers on TikTok. So uh, please look me up in any of those places and uh, look forward to seeing you thrive.
0: Awesome. Well, catapultic commissions family, you will see those links in the show notes. So be sure to go click that. If you're listening to the audio version, if you're watching YouTube, the links are down in the description below. Jenny, we wish you nothing but abundant success for the rest of 2023. Uh, I'm super excited to have you on the show. And, and hopefully in the next year or two, we'll bring you back. because I'd love to see the progress and growth that your company has made. Corporate rehab guys, this ditch the hustle culture and thrive again. Uh, as always, catapultic Commission's family, you know what to do. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment. Let me know your thoughts. Shoot me a DM. Tell me, are you in this position to ditch the the hustle culture. Hey, honestly, you can send me a DM and say, I hate my job. I promise. I'm not going to blast it. I'm not going to share it. Just, I want to hear your guys' thoughts and feedbacks. As always, I love you guys and I'll see you next week. Catapulting Commissions family, that does it for today's episode. If you found some value, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe, that way you're notified of new episodes. If you wanna see the video portion of this podcast, head over to YouTube and look up Catapulting Commissions podcast. Finally, if you want a free copy of Catapulting Commissions, be sure to text the word hello to 661-228-8967. Again, text the word hello to 661-228-8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.